From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Well, for the for the week, the retail sales number is probably going to be of the most interest. Yeah, we got this 16% collapse in, in April, and we'll probably get back about half of that in May as economies reopen. Uh, certainly, the, the key to this recovery remains the consumer, uh, so we'll be watching uh, that one closely. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, and up on the lineup in Boston, Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, the start of a potential pullback is here, but before we get into that, how's life up in Boston treating you? Treat me well, thanks, Ryan. We uh, we really had great weather over the weekend, which was nice. We got the, the hammock set up, got the swing set cleaned up for the kids kids uh so really spent a lot of time uh outside i know you down there are used to the uh the warm weather uh by now but uh really just just starting to get it here in boston yeah i think if that were me i'd have to do the hammock last because knowing me if i did the hammock first i would test it out just to make sure it's safe and then there went the uh there went the afternoon that sounds fun so as i gave the updates the last two weeks my family went up to ohio for i guess Let's see here, about 11 days, 11 and 12 days, and they all came back Friday, so I'm no longer a bachelor. I survived. Had a, The dogs and I just had a nice, relaxing time. It's amazing when, you know, two boys and a preteen daughter and a wife show up. It, uh, it gets a little louder. The, the peacefulness was over, but much like the market, the peacefulness, maybe that's my segue, the peaceful, uh, peaceful market, the bull market uh, could be taking a little break here. At least the uh, rally could be taking a little break. And that's what we're going to talk about this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast. The idea that last Thursday we had a 6% correction on the S&P, even more on small caps in the Dow. Tech did hold up a little bit better, but that was a big boom out of nowhere. Um, big pullback. And even as we record this podcast this morning on Monday morning, we are seeing some continued follow through. So the idea that we finally are due for that pullback that honestly we've been talking about for a little bit could be here. Also, we had the Fed last week. I don't think they rocked the boat too much. We'll talk a little bit about the Fed and then some of our favorite or even least favorite economic data points that we've been seeing over the past week. And then we're going to finish it up with our weekly market commentary that Jeff and I put together this week. It's, it's called a potential path for stocks in the second half. So Jeff, first things first, that first one, the idea of a pullback, I'll set it up and then hand it to you. As I looked at the numbers, 53 days off of the March 23rd lows, the S&P was up 40 four and a half percent. That actually was greater than the initial surge off of the March 2009 lows. So we'll just put this in perspective. This is one of the most spectacular short term, call it two and a half, three month rallies we've ever seen. Some type of pullback makes sense. Now, COVID concerns are there, concern the Fed last week, so the economy's maybe is not as strong as what people think. You pick a reason. I mean, Jeff, what's your take? What kind of sparked it on Thursday? And can it continue? The weakness is what I mean. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes we we doubt whether we're going to get a pullback because everybody expects it. Yep. It, this was the, the pullback that I think everybody expected. And maybe it came a little later than we and many expected just because it was so widely anticipated. Um, it, it's really, I, I think this, what I would call a mini second wave is the biggest reason. But the market would have found an excuse uh, to pull back. We, we were significantly overbought, as you pointed out a number of times here, Ryan, and uh, needed a breather 
I mean, it's unfortunate the driver that we're getting, but uh, there's about 20 states that are seeing a pretty meaningful pickup in cases. Some states seeing a pretty big pickup in hospitalizations from the virus, unfortunately. So we're going to have to slow down our reopening plans a bit. And, uh, you know, that has, um, you know, caused some folks uh, to maybe reconsider their V-shaped recovery scenario. I mean, that majority of people expected more like a U or maybe a W or square root, right, for this recovery. But there were still some folks out there calling for V that we probably won't get. Yeah, we did talk about that last week on the LPL Marcus Signals podcast, the idea that we see a swoosh, kind of a, I guess we'll call it a, a fancy way to say that square root signal where you do have a vicious downward and then pretty fast upward just for a little bit. And then it's kind of tough. As I think Bert explained it really well about your house, right? You build your house and right at the end, some of those last minute things that you just don't get to and maybe even never get to or take a while to get to, that could be how this recovery looks at looks like but Jeff you know we could go right now to last Monday we had the Nasdaq make a new all-time highs and I took a look you know historically when the Nasdaq makes a new all-time high in a recession the last time that happened was November of 1982 the very next month was the start of an expansion and really strong returns now here's the flip side to that the Nasdaq made new all-time highs on Wednesday and then the very next day on Thursday, drops over 5%. The last time we saw a new high and that big of a drop the next day, January of 2000. So you've got one starts a bull market and one starts a vicious bear market. This is a tough question, Jeff. Which is it? Or somewhere in the middle, maybe. <laughs> I, I think we're, we're closer to starting the next bull mm -hmm. than we are uh, re-entering a bear. But, you know, these corrections are normal off of these initial bear market rallies. And this is, you could probably say it's more than a bear market rally. I mean, yep. you know, 44% off the lows is, is, is certainly many would say the start of a new bull. Uh, but it's, it's normal uh, for us to pull back a little bit and maybe a, you know, 10, possibly a little more percent correction is, is just following that bear market recovery playbook uh, that we've seen uh, time and time again. And also when you get sharper bear market declines, which this one was, right, sharpest bear market mm -hmm we've ever seen, uh, right, in terms of how fast we were down 30%. Makes sense that that will be followed by a sharper uh, recovery, which, of course, we've seen as well. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more in the last part of our weekly market commentary where we see stocks going. But just recently, nearly 98% of all the stocks in the S&P 500 were above their 50-day moving average, highest level ever. So by a lot of different ways you look at it, the rally we've seen without which is pretty obvious, I think, is one of the most historic and some of the most uh, overbought scenarios we've ever seen. Now, Jeff, let's talk about market sentiment for a second. One thing that strikes me, yes, put the call ratios are low, various sentiment polls are getting optimistic. Just the idea that a lot of people who used to bet on sports all of a sudden open up accounts. Uh, Robinhood announced 3 million accounts opened uh, recently. And if you look at Dave Portnoy, I like Dave. I mean, he's kind of funny guy. The stuff he does at Barstool Sports. And he's gone into trading. He calls himself Davey Day Trader Global. Let me quote what Dave said on Tuesday. Now, take note. This was right ahead of the first three-day losing streak in three months, which ended with a 7% correction. Dave said, all I do is make money. This game is so blanking easy. All I do is make money. Losers take profits. Winners push the chips to the middle. And then he said, I should be up a billion dollars. Now, 
Yeah, know anything about? I mean, this is a podcast, so it's a little more fun. If you know anything about Dave, he's a, he's extreme. That's what he's doing. But at the same time, that's a, some of the mentality that we are seeing by some of these new traders who've come into this market, buying up bankrupt companies, and some of the companies that have been most impacted by that. To me. I'm not saying it's 2000, but I'm saying that is sure some anecdotal warning. And then Dave also called out Warren Buffett a lot, and that upset some people. And sure enough, all the things that he liked are being pounded now. It's kind of funny how the market works like that. But Jeff, what are, what's your take on You remember 2000. I mean, I don't think it, we're there, but we have pockets of it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this It's just another example of uh, how this market's gotten a little bit frothy. I mean, that was a big move off those lows. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about that 44% rally at the bottom, but there were a lot of companies up twice that off the bottom. The entire oh, energy yes. sector was up more than twice that, you know, close to 100% off of the bottom. So there were a lot of opportunities. You know, I agree with you that some of these folks, you know, sitting at home that might've been betting on sports have uh, transitioned to, uh, to the stock market. Um, it's, it's more gambling than investing, uh, certainly especially when you're talking about bankrupt companies. But there have been just some huge, huge moves, and we're starting to get some of that chatter that we got 20 years ago where you know, get, you're getting stock uh, recommendations from your cab driver. No, it's, yeah, it's true. If you're in a cab, that's, that's a very good point. There's lots of, oh, some of my neighbors and things, people that have been, I've had those contrarian signs as I'm starting to hear some things. I said, hmm, that's, uh, that's a little worrisome. So, so all in all, though, th there definitely could be a little bit more volatility here, a little bit more of a correction um, after the 45% rally is kind of where we see things. Now, let's go forward, Jeff. Last week, the Fed did have a decision on monetary policy. They left rates right where they were, close to zero. They did say it's going to be there potentially through 2023. They also said they're going to continue to purchase bonds, um, mortgage backs and treasuries at the, the pace they're at, and maybe even the pace they're going to go. But here's the question I have for you, Jeff. It, that, that all was fine. No one was shocked at all uh, by any of that. What we were shocked by was the Q&A. I guess you could say the Q&A session gave a more dour outlook on the economy than people thought. And that was fact. That was on Wednesday, by the way. And that was factored in some on Thursday. If people had the night to sleep on it, uh, the Fed may be a little more uh, pessimistic. Uh, what was your take on kind of what the Fed had to say and if that really played into Thursday's sell-off? I don't think we really learned anything new from the Fed. Um, you know, maybe it increased the market's attention on just how ugly GDP growth is going to be in 2020, right? Coming out with those formal forecasts. Uh, but, you know, those 5%, 6% type numbers for GDP decline this year are in line with consensus. Well, certainly mm -hmm. a lot of the smartest folks out there um, have similar numbers. And uh, uh, I don't think that that should have been any bit, any surprise. I just think the market was looking for an excuse to sell off, to, you know, wring out a little bit of that froth. That combined with the evidence that we are seeing a little bit of a mini second wave of COVID-19 was, was enough uh, to send us lower. Um, you know, we were maybe a little bit early in, in saying we've come too far too fast, but I think uh, now it's, it's, it's clear that uh, a lot of folks agree with us. No, no doubt about it. Let's talk about that second wave for a second. I mean, we've been hearing about a second wave almost as soon as the first wave started. So is this really catching people off guard or is it just that excuse? I mean, I think my take is this, if there if the second wave comes and it's, it's bad, or if there's a third wave that comes and it's bad, it's gonna be really, really tough now that people are starting to get back out of their homes 
to get them to go back in. What's that old expression? You know, it's really hard to get the toothpaste back into the tube once it's out. And I think that's kind of what I'm seeing down here in South Carolina. We're one of the states that no doubt are starting to see some spikes up as people are back out. I just don't see people going back in. And that could be uh, one of the things the market maybe hasn't factored in. What do you think of that one? Yeah, I, I think the fact that we're not going to lock down the entire economy again yep. limits the potential negative economic impact of a second wave. Uh, we've also seen in, in China, South Korea, some other Asian nations that, you know, masks and social distancing and contact tracing can work. And so we'll have to do more of that. And um, I'm sure we can get better at it. But uh, I'm still optimistic that we'll get through this and that the next wave, or however many ways we get, will be much more manageable. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, we've seen spikes, and we know where the spikes are happening here in the South and out West and Texas. Yet if you look yesterday, which I guess would have been Sunday, now this is a very tragic number, uh, still five, 538 people died in the United States yesterday, but that actually was the lowest number we'd seen in months. Also, small number, the lowest number in hospital, on ventilators, and in the ICU. Uh, so the, those are trending lower, but absolutely, there's no question, it's because the major hotspots I had in the beginning are trending lower and some of these new states are picking up. But overall, with cases uh, spiking, I think the one thing that we're going to watch very closely is the number of people in ICU and in hospitals. And potentially, um, you know, with the social distancing and different things that we're using, maybe we won't see the spike up in the pressure on the hospital system. But we're starting to hear about that out in Arizona and Texas already. Uh, Jeff, the other thing, so I've had multiple LPL advisors reach out to me and ask the question about inflation, specifically deflation, because we just had core CPI negative month over month, three consecutive months for the first time in history. So again, that moves out the volatile, you know, energy and uh, food prices. Uh, so the, the core things we use, apparently prices are going down. Is deflation something we should be worried about? And is it being caused by this pandemic, you think? Oh, it's, it's certainly being caused by the pandemic uh, to a large extent. Um, in the short term, normally we'd be a little bit worried about that. But with the stimulus that the Fed's put in, um, and, you know, that is going to create inflation eventually. So, um, you know, I wouldn't worry about it right now. The bigger worry, I think, is a longer term worry. And we're probably several years away from this. But all of this money, money printing or whatever you want to call it is going to end up, you know, leaking into uh, inflation here at some point. So, um, you know, right now we want more inflation. That's a good thing. Several years out, we won't. And um, probably going to see interest rates rise alongside that. Um, but uh, until we actually see that, I think it's kind of a show me story. I grew up near Missouri, show me state, right? Until go. we actually see it show up in the numbers, long-term inflation, uh, I, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Understood. Yeah. I mean, the concern I read over the weekend, just are we a Japan 2.0, a country with a lot of debt that goes into deflation, which has led to um, multiple decades, really, of slow-ish growth. But the one thing I think we talked about in the podcast before that strikes me, if you look at globalization, I think globalization, the idea that on your phone you can buy I don't know, the cheapest hot tub you want, have it show up two weeks later, you know, anything you want on your phone, you can buy. Uh, and it can, it can be globally, right? And this globalization theme is partially why we've had, we'll call it disinflation and a lack of inflation. And if you think about what's happened with COVID-19 and a lot of the countries and companies saying we're going to bring back our supply, chi supply chains, maybe we're moving away from a period of globalization. And if that caused um, the low levels of inflation, 
maybe uh, this is a, this is a cycle that's going to take a long time. I will fully admit this will take a while, but it could be something that could pressure prices a little bit higher uh, potentially. Now, Jeff, the NFIB. I'll let you, you say what that is. I can't ever remember. Now, the small business, the company that looks at small businesses, that trickled higher. Anything that caught your attention in there? Because small businesses make up 50% of all the private sector jobs. So it's really important. What'd you see there? Yeah, they're, they're seeing green shoots there, the same kind of green shoots we've been talking about with this real-time economic data that we're watching. Yep. Uh, you know, people going through airports and using public transportation, dining at restaurants, all of that. All that's picking up nicely. The National Federation of Independent Business, I think is what that stands for. There you go. Good they job. Serve, yep. Thanks. They survey uh, small businesses every month. And I guess a few things stuck out. One, the, the overall indicator is only about 10 points off of its pre-pandemic highs. That's, that's not much. I mean, most data points, economic data points are down much more than that. Uh, and then we saw um, really strong uh, survey data for um, businesses expecting an increase in sales and expecting to hire more people. Now, granted, these are coming off of depressed levels, but still really right. strong improvements. So there's some optimism from small businesses about the near-term economic outlook. Uh, good points there. We also saw University of Michigan consumer confidence number came in higher than expected, the strong uh, small business number. Mortgage applications, this is incredible, up over 9% week over week. That's not yearly, that's week over week. Mortgage is up 9%. The Jeff, the one I want to ask you about though, M2, money supply, up annualized 100%. Uh, the previous record was 26% annualized on three months in the early 80s, 1983. That sounds inflationary to me. What in the world? 100% annualized M2. I mean, what's going on there? Yeah, that goes back to the stimulus, uh, primarily from the Fed, essentially creating money. And that has to find a home. It is um, increasingly finding a home in the stock market. And certainly part of the reason why interest rates remain so low, we're still in the, you know, right around 0.7% on the, actually a little lower than that, on the 10-year treasury yield uh, right now. That that yield cannot get out of this range, uh, down below 1%. Uh, typically, when you have all this increase in the money supply, that aligns with higher stock prices. So it's probably one of the you know, best reasons you could cite for why we got such a strong rally off the lows, right? You know, fiscal stimulus has helped too with you know the CARES Act and the you know, additional roughly trillion dollars that we got in stimulus out of the federal government. But there's just a lot of money that has to find a place to go, and and certainly um, you would expect over time uh, for that to be inflationary. But we need the economy to be you know revved up quite a bit more than it is now to really generate uh, the um, inflation that we just talked about. Absolutely. I guess the old saying is don't fight the Fed. And that's something we've clearly been reminded of. And a lot of people maybe were more bearish um, at the lows because, again, the economic data warranted that. But the Fed has come out and said they're going to do everything they need to do to bring back confidence and liquidity. And I've said this before. Uh, Fed chairperson Jerome Powell has been on 60 Minutes three times over the past year. That's the most by far any Fed chairperson has ever done on 60 Minutes. So he is clearly out there saying what he uh, feels he needs to say to bring back two things, confidence and liquidity. Jeff, we've got uh, three or four more minutes. 
We're going to do a segment now on our weekly market commentary. But before we go there, I want to, again, thank everyone for the continued listenership. Every single week, we had major spikes in listens and people that subscribe to this podcast during the pandemic. And the good news is things have stayed high. So number of listens and people following. So please uh, click that follow or like button um, on your podcast. You've listened to this. If you really like it, Please give us a positive review because the more positive reviews we get, the more people can listen to Jeff and I and sometimes Bert banter about the stock market. So thank you, everybody. So that's it, Jeff. The weekly market commentary, potential path for stocks in the second half. What an easy, easy question. Um, I'll set it up. Then I'm going to ask you because you kind of wrote this week's commentary. To me, it feels like it all hinges on the direction of COVID-19. We have a major second wave. We expect a second wave. We have a major second wave. All bets are off, and it could be another bear market. But if not, maybe and clearly, if you get know, a vaccine, my goodness, things could take off. What What do you think? Second half of the year, what's going to happen? Yeah, you're you're so right, Ryan. It all depends on the path of the the virus and our response to it. Um, our our base case is for you know kind of a controlled uh, mini wave, I, I guess, at worst in the second half of the year. Uh, that can allow the economy to continue to recover, but we're still going to have to do some social distancing. And certainly a lot of people are going to change their behavior regardless of what the rules are. And that's going to limit just how fast a lot of businesses uh, can come back. So there's, you know, you talked about it earlier, the square root or swoosh or whatever. We're going to get a lot of this low hanging fruit back quickly, but then after the next couple of months, after we get that low-hanging fruit back, there's going to be a, a more gradual trajectory uh, to the recovery that suggests it could take a couple years to get back to the levels of economic activity uh, that we were seeing pre-pandemic. So that's that's kind of the base case. That allows for a little bit more upside to stocks, we think. Uh, our target for the year is um, roughly 5% above where we are now. So that's not a bad return if you can get it between now and year end. And then we'll have we think more gains 2021 as we get a vaccine. That's really the bull case. If you get a vaccine earlier and it works better and can be more widely distributed than we expect, uh, we could easily return uh, to all-time highs on the S&P 500 and even potentially go past that because you have all the stimulus uh, tailwind that's not going to just go away overnight. Uh, good points there. Um, you know, put a little perspective on it, just how overbought we just were. The S&P 500 was recently, a week ago, a week ago today, on uh, June 6th, was 13.1% above the 50-day moving average. What does that mean? Well, one of the most overbought levels we've ever seen. We took a look at one, two, three, four, five, six previous times. The S&P was up that much above the 50-day. One month later, sure, you can have a little consolidation. But what's really unique about this, six months later, higher every single time, up 9% on average. A year later, higher every single time, up 19% on average. Here's some of those dates. July of 55, February of 75, October of 82, February of 91, November of 98, and May of 2009. Some of those dates might ring a bell. They came after vicious bear markets, but those are the initial bounce. And what we are seeing here over the past two and a half, three months is again, what I've said is extremely overbought. 
but is more historically in line with potentially the start of more of a bull move than the end of a bear market, the bear market rally, or the end of a bull market. And those are some of the things that we're definitely talking about internally as we continue to digest what's going on and take a look at our mid-year outlook, which Jeff, I believe, should be out exactly in about a month, if all, knock on wood, if all goes well. So Jeff, any final comments from you, things you're watching this week, or just final takeaways before I bring us home? Well, for the, for the week, the retail sales number is probably going to be of the most interest. You know, we got this 16% collapse in, in April, and we'll probably get back about half of that in May as economies reopen. Uh, certainly, the, the key to this recovery remains the consumer, uh, so we'll be watching uh, that one closely. All right. Good stuff there. So thank you, Jeff, for joining this week. Thanks again to everyone who continues to support this weekly podcast. As long as you guys keep listening, like I said, we will keep doing it. So thanks again for being here. Have a great week. We're in the middle of June. It's start summer starting to come up. And uh, just stay healthy out there, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial. It is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.